You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we're sitting down with an account that I have, I'll say stalked since January, when they bought their house from an account we all follow, Cheap Old Houses. Yes. And this isn't their first Cheap Old House. This is like their fourth. Today we're sitting down with Dave and Brittany Rademacher all the way in Michigan and we're in Idaho. How are you guys? Great. We appreciate the correct pronunciation of Rademacher. We 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 hear we hear some things. Well, I watched the story <laughs> highlight that you did uh, in the drive in the Penske van to salvage, and in my brain lives rent free your German pronunciation, which was said, which was yeah, the satirical. Extra, the extra throat, right? <laughs> right. So I've been like all morning, been like Rademacher, Rademacher, Rademacher. So I'm glad I nailed it. <laughs> yeah. We're working on our son now. He he's he's starting to master the Rademacher. We we worked on that word last uh, last weekend. Last weekend. He did a pretty good job, actually. <laughs> You're first teaching them to use like that glottal to really. Yeah, get it, it comes natural to him, actually. <laughs> he was very German with the the uh, the enunciation with it. It was very aggressive. I'm like, oh, okay, we got that word down. We we can't say yes to anything, but we can say Rademacher. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, yeah. No, mine will. He'll count to ten, but not when I ask him. Yeah, to. right. Who's playing who? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll be three in January, and so I tell you, I call him affectionately a Velociraptor because yeah. that's about as fitting as it gets for him. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about your early beginnings in the antique world, and then I really want to get into what you guys do so well, which is bringing these houses back to life but i want to know because everybody that starts antiquing starts with somebody in their life and talking who who did you start to learn your love of old things from who taught you to love it well for me it had a lot to do with my parents um and i i don't know how long they they'd been doing it my dad grew up on a farm um and uh but every summer since we were kids i have three other siblings we'd go up to uh petoskey state park uh up in uh the northern part of lower Michigan, and part of one of the activities we always did was drive around and hit all the antique stores. Um, my dad collected ink wells. My mom collected, my mom's a beautician. She'd collect things from her industry, like old curling irons and things like that. Um, my dad loved Western, so he always collected Zane Gray books, so he was looking for hardcover Zane Gray books that uh, he didn't have in his collection. Um, and you know, we'd all have our allowance money, too, that we could go and pick stuff out of. I can't remember exactly, you know, what we bought growing up, but cause it just kind of felt normal to us. Um, and then uh, the house that I grew up in was, oh, like a 60s ranch, nothing too crazy. But all the furniture that my parents bought was always, you know, Victorian, Eastlake. Um, and I don't even know if it occurred to me that it was because they liked the look of it. It was more they always appreciated how things were built and things were oh, built to yeah. last and you can yeah, go and spend a hundred dollars on a um, dresser that's, you know, a hundred years old and have it last another hundred years. You could 
spend twice as much on something new and have it last, you know, a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so I think it was, I don't know if I appreciated, you know, the aesthetic of antiques at a young age. It was just kind of uh, a more of a function type of thing. Yeah, little captive audience. Right. That's how it was for me growing up, too. It was like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. <laughs> Did you grow up collecting, Brit? No, I, I didn't. Um, my great uncle was and, and still is very much into antiques. So I just, I remember always going to his place and seeing his eclectic collection of, of all of these things that he had. My parents only ever bought new stuff. So I would go there and see all of his things. And it was just like, oh, this stuff is wild. It's so cool. Like it actually has you know, so much more character than anything you could just go to the store and get. So I think that's where I had probably the most exposure from growing up. And then um, when Dave and I started dating, you know, 10 years ago, one of our favorite things to do was to just go antiquing. Like that was the thing that we would do on the weekends. We'd go back road and pick a city and pick find a an random shop. town and try to find an antique shop and just go look and you know I'll see what we could find if there's anything cool so I think that's one of the best ways to dive into the world of antiques is that exact way of just going around and walking through shops and seeing what the hell people think is valuable because that's really what breaks mm-hmm. it down is what is valuable and what isn't valuable to somebody and I think you touched on this in one of your other podcasts that I listened to so much of what you collect is kind of what you experienced growing up as well um, like I've got a, a Pyrex uh, bowl set that has the wheat pattern on it. And that's what my mom used, uh, when we were kids. And so some of the, so, so much of the stuff that we collect has some sort of nostalgia attached to it. You know, Brittany has her grandmother's primary, uh, Pyrex, uh, bowl set. Um, so just a lot of that stuff kind of tied to memories as well. Gosh, I've even kept the cinnamon tin container for years. I'm just like, no one throw that away. It's still in the cupboard but it's just because that was like one of the last things that she used and I wanted to keep it because it's so vintage and and old school looking that was one of my favorites yeah for sure that's like one of the things that I would say that lends me to most of my collections is if somebody in my life held on to it then longer than I did it automatically has to come live in my house (laughs) right (laughs) yeah and that was you know Growing up, I would say, like, when I first started collecting antiques, it was revolved around a lot of, some would say, um, elderly aesthetic and, like, Queen Anne and Regency and stuff that I saw my grandma collecting because, like, I'm from a really small town, so I didn't see that there was different collections in people's houses. I thought every person that collected antiques only loved England and China and porcelain. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it. And so... The first time I went to an antique store outside of our state in Idaho, I was like, holy shit, people collect like dead things and bones and hair. (laughs) And like, and then to see even further now to get to the salvage side of it. Yeah. It's guys, this is going to be too much money for me. I can't keep up at this pace to do it when did well, yeah welcome to our world <laughs> oh shit when did it change from like just collecting antiques like shit to put on a shelf to i'm gonna need that entire door frame kitchen cabinets and the light fixtures out of this bitch now well i i 
Do you mind if I? No, oh, okay. Well, the old house that we had, it was 6,100 square feet. So it was an old mansion, essentially. And we always knew, I mean, obviously we wanted to bring it back to life and, and use all, well, most of the correct, um, you know, things that we could. And I think we started to realize, okay, this is a big undertaking. So it's going to take, you don't just go to the store and pick up like 20 lights for this right. like really old house. You know, you're not going to Lowe's to buy light fixtures for that old of a house. Right. And or at least that wasn't our plan. So we we just said, okay, well we're gonna just start collecting things because, you know, eventually we're going to need them. There's all of these rooms. We need all these different doors that we have to switch out. And everything needed to be switched out um because it was an apartment building at the time and, right. and we knew that because it was going to take so many years to do, we should just start amping up our collection and mm-hmm. buying all this stuff. Yeah. In the 50s, it was built in 1873. Uh, um, the, um, was this the house you guys just moved from? Yeah. So it was five apartments. It turned into five apartments in the 50s, and they took out anything that was original to the house, basically. It, you know, it had a, a lot of the original molding, but as far as Doors, light fixtures, fireplaces, sinks, tubs—none of that stuff was there. It basically looked like the inside of a you know '50s apartment, you know, on the inside of the house. Um, the exterior is pretty much untouched. So, uh, so there was a lot of square footage, and it had a 1,500 square foot carriage house on the property as well, a detached carriage house. So we had the rooms to store stuff, and we had intended on you know restoring it back to a single family house, you know, before we had kids. Um, <laughs> yeah. to, to Brittany's point, we started collecting everything and probably even a lot of stuff we didn't need just because we had the room. And then, you know, if you found a good deal on something that was cool, you can't not bring it home. Right. This yeah. is true. Uh, to the point of my too many light fixtures in my house. Cause I'll see Where somebody. Light fixture yeah. Before. Tearing out like a, there's a lot of mid century style stuff in our town. So people come in and, of course, do the farmhouse modernized nonsense. And uh, I'll see stuff on Facebook of people going, here's this. We're just come pick these up. And it's all the great 50s and 40s light fixtures. Mm-hmm. I'm like, thank you. Right. right. That is kind of the new antique store these days. And Facebook Marketplace just because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, obviously we're a little limited on where we can go these days. But that's actually turned out to be quite a little gem of people. Don't right. really know what they have. Which is perfection. Like my my friend just bought a house that was built in 1913. It's one of the first houses built in the city. And I walk in and I look up and the first thing I see is an original Art Deco light fixture with the shades. And I just looked at her and I was like, you know, that's original to the house, right? And she goes, is it really? And I was like, yeah, don't ever get rid of that. Right. And she was like, how do you know all this? I'm like, it's a sickness. It's, it's a disease. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, we gotta, I want to know, like, when you guys first, when did you first buy a house, an old house to work on? When, what was the first one? Um, gosh, my, my very first house, um, was a converted, um, uh, one room schoolhouse into house. Um, but, you know, long before Brittany and I were together. Um, and then my second house was a 1927 English Tudor um, in town, Lansing. Um, and that had mostly been untouched. It had um, uh, original Quebec tile fireplace, had original fixtures, hardwood oh, floors. Wow. 
um, we loved it. Um, and that's the house that I was in when Brittany and I um, started dating. Yeah. You did some stuff there, but it wasn't. It, it, it didn't need a ton. I, I, I redid a bathroom, uh, a couple other updates, but it didn't, it didn't need a ton. And then next was the next house, the, the big house that we just sold. Okay. And that and that was something that we bought. We weren't even necessarily, we knew we, do, we didn't want to stay in town permanently, um, but it was the summer that we were getting married that we were driving through. Um, it was a small town that we both grew up in. And down the main drag was this tiny little for sale by owner sign in front of this giant brick house. <laughs> well, and I think and, that I came across that article from when you guys first were in that house. When I was doing oh, okay, some yep, research see, last night, yep. and in the article it said it was the biggest house in that town. Correct. And I was like, "Still, wow." Yeah. Yeah, in, yeah. in the in the town proper, I'm sure it is. Yeah. So it's got it's a, it's a three story with the top story was originally the ballroom. It was a great place. You know, we 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 drove by it, and it was like, "Oh wow, that's incredible." There was a for sale sign, so we we circled back because it was one full block, a city block the lot sat on and in the back there's this giant carriage house barn and I'm like okay Dave like I would do this I didn't really want to live out in the middle of nowhere on a bunch of land where it would take me you know 20 minutes to get to the store I didn't really need all that drama it's like (laughs) come on let's let's be close you know we were so at the time we were young obviously we had a ton of ambition so (laughs) I had a I had a house, Dave had a house, we weren't even married, and it was a few months before our wedding, and we're like, oh, yeah, we're buying this other house, and I guess we're going to try to turn it into a single family. But it worked out because it was, when we purchased it, it was still a functioning five-unit apartment building, so it was fully leased, so we were able to, um, you know, purchase it as basically an income property when we purchased it, so we weren't, so we just kept it as a rental until we both sold our houses. And then slowly move people out. Um, and we still, even when we sold it, had people living in some of the units that we weren't working on um, yeah, at the time. Lived upstairs, and then we had a guy that came with the house, and he was fine. He, he it sounds like you had a ghost. And, I know he came with yeah, the house. Yeah. <laughs> he may have been. I don't know. <laughs> but it was it was great. It was an awesome house. You know, I honestly thought we were going to be buried in the backyard because we were going to have to, you know realistically with both of us having full-time careers and then eventually kids, we, we always were realistic that the timeline was at least 30 years to get this house where we would want. And, you know, for most of the time we were in there, we were fine with that timeline. And then, and then you have kids and it's not that that's a bad thing. It just kind of shifts your uh, priorities and you kind of realize like, okay, so if we're if we're being honest with ourselves, <laughs> done when this is all done, and you know the kids won't even live here, and you know what what do we have to show for it? We just have this giant house that I'm supposed to clean, and no one lives in it but you and me. And I guess I could build a dog, but it seems a little, <laughs> a little ridiculous. Yeah, Jill understands the chaos that you guys yeah. have because Jill has twins, and you have Irish oh, twins, geez. right? Correct. Yeah. So the pri and the I. It's I never understood the priority adjustment slam dunk than when you have kids, mm-hmm. like when other people talk about it, you're like, yeah, whatever. And then you have ch- children and you're like, well, shit. OK, yeah, let's yeah. alleviate some stressors. Yeah, it, it just it changes everything. And, 
And then this house came along, which has been, you know, we, we started to think about it because we never, ever thought we would sell the other house. And it was just, it got to a point where this came up and then it's like, okay, once we started thinking about it, we're like, okay, so do we really want to sell this? Maybe we don't want to be here anymore. I don't know. So. Yeah, all the pieces kind of fell into place um, as far as the property that we're in now. Um, it just kind of became a, no, a no-brainer. The, the property value on the place in town had increased a decent amount since we purchased it. And the property out here um, needed a lot of work. So, um, you know, we got a decent price on that. So we were able to kind of swap properties and gain 20 acres. Well, hell yeah. Oh, cow. So did you guys, okay, so did this house come onto your radar strictly from cheap old houses or had you seen it in the real estate market in Michigan? Well, we've both grown up in this area our whole life. So we always knew of the house. Um, it was, well, to me, it was always like the secret garden house. Like you drive by and it had all these incredible vines, which I have since found out are bad for the house, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it looked cool as hell. It looked so damn cool. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I've seen that in a movie once. Like it was just so neat. But you go by and it, it just, like, it was just very, very cool. And the guy always had, like, old cars on the property. So sometimes you could see that, but it was kind of hard to see. So I just, we both just knew of the property for, you know, as long as we've been in the area. It was always overgrown, but you could see the uh, Italian details on the front porch kind of peeking through the vines and in the trees. And it just, yeah, it's, it's brick. I'm a sucker for brick houses. Um, all of my houses have been brick houses. My house is a um, brick house. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we'd driven past it and we always, when we were dating, I, I made the comment to Brittany driving past one day saying that, that house right there is the only house I'd give up our house for. And she's like, well, you should stop by and drop, drop off a card or give them your name in case, you know, they ever think about selling it. You know, you just kind of oh, I didn't say that. You pass it out of your mind. Yeah. Just kind of all. Oh, that worked out. <laughs> yeah. So he had it listed with a, uh, a with a realtor, um, and then it went off the market, and then it went up by for sale by owner is when we started uh, pursuing it a little bit but more seriously. But we saw it again on cheap old houses. Like we had obviously we knew of the home, but we hadn't we we had saw the post from from cheap old houses, and it was like. Oh gosh! Well, someone's gonna buy it now because they just posted it, and it's probably gone. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, and it's interesting too, since since uh, um, putting all our stuff out there in, in the world with the, with Instagram, um, you know, we've been approached by a no, half a dozen people, maybe more, saying, you know, they tried to buy it or inquired to buy it or you know, tried oh. to talk to the guy who was selling it. Um, so I don't know if we were just got in there first, or maybe we're just we're dumb enough. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about that. Because I I am a big fat fan of treasure hunting and possibly being in a murder mystery novel. And your house when you bought it kind of had the makings of a Stephen King book. For sure. (laughs) There's a lot going on on the property when you guys first. So did, okay. Did somebody die in the house? Like, why was there so much shit left behind? And... He was just so sweet to leave us home. <laughs> no, um, you know, he was a little bit older of a gentleman. His wife had died, I believe, you know, a handful of years ago, and they had another place. And 
he just kind of took up residence there and would only just kind of stop and check in on the house here and there, or so we've been told. Um, I don't want to really talk out of turn because I don't know enough about the situation, but um, you know, he lived here for 40 years or 30 so, some years, 30 yeah. some years, and um, he, there were over 100 cars on the property at one Whoa. point um, because he was a collector of, of MGs and Triumphs, and yeah. um, he had just, and it was for his collection. It wasn't Never to sell or anything that. like that. I don't think he sold, he didn't really sell them until he had to, until he put the property up for sale. So. Yeah. Um, we were just as surprised as everybody else that when we got the keys that it was still full of stuff. So yeah. that was just an, an extra thing that we had to take care of. When I speak about it, like I've never seen it, but it happens. I mean, it happens everywhere. Anywhere that there's a house that somebody's lived in for forever is going to Yeah, yeah any, any of our realtor friends have said it's more common than not. So yeah. it's just. We just kind of roll with it. That's what we do. Well, and the beauty of it, too, is that stuff getting left behind leaves you the opportunity to salvage from it if, you know, because people put you stuff. You would think. Oh, you would no. think. Oh. But they were pretty careful <laughs> to take anything that was of value. Damn it. <laughs> you got the garbage. Um, I found hidden in a cupboard in the shop one coffee tin of change. <laughs> Nice. So oh, there's that. Well, there, you know, put it on the mantle. You left a tip. <laughs> you left a tip. Here, well, guys. there, there is a change shortage in America. So yeah, that's just, true. We're just, over. we're just doing our part. We're <laughs> gonna fix it. Thank you for bringing us back to uh, the light in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> right, there you go. Uh, we really, we really needed a win, guys. I'm glad you were able to provide it for us. So, Dave, you have a background in Finnish carpentry, correct? Correct. That was my specialty. Um, all my jobs over the years have been in construction. Um, I think I was 14 when I got my first construction-related job. Um, my grandfather on my mom's side was a he had a woodworking shop in his basement. So as a kid, we'd do some stuff down there. Um, my dad wasn't really into construction so much, um, so all the jobs that I had were for remodelers or builders in some fashion, and uh, so I learned how to do just just about every facet of construction, um, you know, roofing, siding, flooring, drywall, a little bit of electrical plumbing. Um, but I, I'm a perfectionist. So finished carpentry just was what I was drawn to. Um, so we'd, uh, I wor- worked with a couple of friends, uh, for most of my finished carpentry career, um, in the, uh, nineties and, uh, early two thousands when the new construction boom, was hitting and we'd go into houses and I'd put together the kitchens and the mantles and, um, you know, the more detailed stuff. It was, if it was a detail and a challenge, you know, the more challenging, the better is what I gravitated towards. Um, and then at some point in there, uh, I got my, uh, residential builder's license from Michigan. Um, and I was going to school. I was working during the day and going to a community college to get my associates in residential design in the evening. And my, plan was to go to Lawrence Tech and get my um, full-blown architecture degree. Um, but at the time, after, by the time I got my associate's degree, I was making enough money in the trades where it's just kind of like, yeah, I don't want to go to school anymore. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and really, you only need an architecture degree if you want a certified print over a certain square footage. So it just wasn't really anything that I felt I needed at that point in time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with, I think, speaking just a little bit on the trade thing, I'm a hairdresser also. So I went to beauty school right out of high school, didn't go to college. And now I love the fact now that the trades are being more, uh, they're being painted in a much better light. Correct. Because uh, I think people have this predisposition that if you're in a trade job, you're probably not very good at anything else, which it's like, okay, asshat, you live in a house, you get your hair cut. Somebody does this, this, and this for you, but you, right. you're an accountant. <laughs> Chill out, Bob. <laughs> and that's, I mean, I think, is that a, I would take it as a win, but is it a win and a hindrance to have that ability of being like, I can do that because I have that problem. Um, it depends on if you're asking me or if you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, holy shit, man, when are we going to get wrap this up? I got I to manage this guy. Or, it, it, so, he's such a perfectionist. And I'm like, Dave, okay, we got to get in here. I'm going to kill someone. <laughs> yeah, it just pains me to, like, even think of hiring somebody for something I can do myself. And number one, because I can do it myself. But number two, because... A lot of times uh, I don't feel like people can do things the way I want to or as good as I can. You know, there's certain things that I'll definitely hire out Mm -hmm. um, that I'm, you know, I know there's people more talented than me at. um, But most of the stuff, um, you know, I'm I'm pretty to pay somebody to do something and then have them not do it as well as you would have done. is uh, Yeah. Very irritating. I have. I have that same exact sickness and my husband hates it because I grew up, I'm my dad's only daughter and my brothers had zero interest in building anything or doing anything. So I was always in his back pocket. So whenever we build something, it's together. And then if somebody will be like, well, I just bought this. I'm like, why did you buy that? Why didn't you just go to Home (laughs) Depot and just, and then I'm like, oh, because you're um, a little crazy. That's why. (laughs) Like we just built, I have, um, in my backyard, we had a gazebo that didn't really get used as a gazebo. And I called my dad and I said, I really need a greenhouse, but I don't have anywhere else to put it in my yard. So how can we turn this gazebo into a greenhouse? And he was like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> they came and over. you did. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. uh, yeah, I can fully, I, I, I get it with the, I can do it. I sympathize yeah, with it's Brittany a, it's though. A, it's a time component. Yeah, you sympathize with Brittany. Yeah, because my husband's the same way. Like he'll do it, and I'll be like, "All right, I'll give you two weeks <laughs> to accomplish what you need to do. If it's not done, I'm gonna get buy some. <laughs> <laughs> We're hiring it out. Right. Normally, I don't have to do that. It's just okay. I I like that he can do everything, and it's very nice. But sometimes <laughs> I'm just like. Well, there's a financial component to it as well. It's part of what allows us to be able to do some of the stuff that we've done. I mean, for us to buy a house like this and then hire somebody to do everything that needs to be done here. Yeah. Well, at some point it would become a little foolish because your return wouldn't be what your investment was if you hired everything out. Well, you know, for our listeners that haven't followed along on anything, they started on the top floor, which is where your uh, your kids' bedrooms are. And you, Dave, you completely gutted it, refinished the floors. I mean, you guys, you tackled that project and saved yourself, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars just with that first floor, right? Yeah, we spent the, there was about six months after purchasing before moving in, maybe a little bit longer. But yeah, um, all new, they had a um, boiler, old dated boiler system um, that had kind of like the 50s baseboard heaters that was covering up the woodwork and um, 
we came up with a plan to put in a forced air system, which would allow us to also have um, AC uh, in the summer, which is something that we've never had. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we were able to access the upper rooms from the attic and then the lower rooms from the basement and run all new ductwork. At some point, the house had had a forced air system in it. So there were some registers in the floor um, that had been cut in that we were able to reuse. Um, so it wasn't too bad. We demoed a chimney that ran from the basement up through the attic that was put in probably in the 50s or 60s that was just bending the mechanicals in the basement, and that allowed us to chase to get the ductwork up into the attic for the for the upper floors. Um, we put in a new electrical panel, uh, new hot water heater, yep. um, all new uh, board for the walls, paint, fixtures, flooring. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, moved, moved some walls. Got um, in the bathroom. Trim, got to the bathroom. And finished it yeah. beautifully. I mean, it just looks... All well working, 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah. yeah. Just on the side, right? Yeah. Just yeah, a little it's just side, a side job. job. It's mm-hmm. fine. Like It'll it. all But that was part of, part of what, going from what we were anticipating a 30-year project for the old house in town, um, we decided, you know, let's just power through a majority of it in the front end. Mm. And that way, we're not dragging this out because we really want to prioritize, you know, time with our kids and oh, for sure, all that for fun sure. stuff while they're little. And in the in the the second floor here was it is was in the worst shape compared to the first floor. The first floor was still all needs to be updated and everything, but it was it was livable. It was manageable yeah. to be in. That second floor was in very rough shape, and I told I just simply told Dave I will not be sleeping in that house. <laughs> that like no, it's not going to happen. So. It was okay. Let's start with where we're supposed to lay our heads at night, and mm. let's got that hole upstairs because it, it needed it. It was in it was in bad shape, so that's what we did. But you know, the, the whole reason we even decided to do any of this, or got into any of this, or I ever even said yes to being on board with it, is because I knew he could do it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. Obviously, the HVAC we hired out and some plumbing stuff, but the whole. One of the bonuses to being able to to do this and and enjoy it so much is the fact that he gets to do it and he likes doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, and well, yeah. Obviously, financially, it's just it's a smarter way to go for sure. So, well, and Dave, you work for like a, a wholesaler of building materials, right? Correct. So, um, going back to talking about being in construction for most of my career in 2008, when the new construction dried up, uh, I went to work for a couple remodeling companies doing like operational stuff um, and then uh, ended up where I'm working now um, is I'm coming up on my 10th year. I just kind of happened into sales. I don't feel like a salesman, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert, um, but I had the background in construction. And so that really lends itself to being able to talk to contractors. And so now my job is, you know, calling on contractors, trying to get them to buy building materials. Um, from us, but then I miss working with my hands. So right. the houses that we've worked on have been my reprieve. Oh, for sure. Because um, I miss it. Doing sales is so abstract. I mean, you can sell a roof or some windows to a contractor, and it's just you don't get the same set of sense of satisfaction. When you make something with your hands, you look at it, you get appreciation from seeing that thing done. Yeah. It's just a different mm-hmm. feeling. Um, so that gives me the same you know, work on the houses gives me that outlet. 
Now, Britt, when when things are finished, are you the one that now comes in and you get full design say aesthetically? Or how does that mix up? Yeah, yeah. We I mean, Dave has a really good eye too. I mean, he there's like nothing he can't do and it's so annoying. Like he's so good at everything. I'm like, well, I guess I'll be here to like pick up dog poop. So um yeah, I mean, usually I would be doing the, the design side. So I I've done some stuff at the house, but it hasn't been anything too crazy yet, just because everything costs so much right. money. You know, and then you're just trying to find the right pieces. We found I decided I wanted to do like a vintage chandelier in, in our daughter Dove's room upstairs. So that was one of the latest pieces we just picked up for her room. And you know, it just it takes time. It's not like you're just running out to IKEA to, you know, fit the kids' rooms and just call it good for the day. You know, yeah. you want like really neat pieces. Yeah. It would be so much easier because for then sure. I could just say, Oh, let's just get all this crap and call it good and move on. <laughs> yeah. But everything, it just, it takes so long because you're trying to find the right pieces to kind of like build the room. So, um, you know, it's definitely not like an episode that you see on TV where it just goes, oh, there's my before and after. Like, it just takes so long. So um, over time, it will, will get to a spot where I think we'll feel like, okay, this is like a good, like everything's in a good spot right now. But we're still so much in the middle of, of renovating still. I mean, we're right now we're in the what was originally probably like a dining room or a TV room and our bedroom is actually in here. So our bed is over there and mm-hmm. we'll eventually be moving upstairs once we have our, our bed our bedroom set up. So um we had a lot of really nice pieces in the old house and even just stuff in the car- carriage house that we had collected. But we decided to kind of clean slate it. Uh we had a massive like sale um after we'd sold the house and just kind of cleared out everything partially because we didn't want to move it anything <laughs> over here or have right. the room for it because we didn't really have any outbuildings that didn't have a roof that was leaking out here to even put anything right and we really desired wanted to find pieces that like suited the room house. right you know, we, there was so much stuff that we had bought salvage wise for the other house that just kind of fit or seemed right for there but it wasn't the same feel out here. Um, it just because it was just a different style of the house, and just the feeling was so much different. So it was like, okay, let's let's have a. We had this huge sale in last December, and um, I never really realized how much stuff that they had bought over the years. Or I mean, it's like we had a store. It was crazy, but it was really cool because we were able to to get rid of a lot of really cool pieces. We kept a decent amount of stuff as well and then it yeah it gave us the ability to to kind of start fresh out here and not have all this extra stuff so yeah well this may seem like redundant and maybe an easy answer but when you guys like whatever style of house you're buying that's old is the utmost important to you to keep it to the time period like is that your biggest? Is that just the perfectionist in you, Dave, to be like, I'm going to make it look like it was the day it was made? It's a it's a yes and no. It's a com- it's a complicated answer. Um, somewhat, I'll, I'll say, because um, a, a lot of the well, basically every house that we've ever, ever owned originally wouldn't have had electrical or running water in it. That, that is so it's true. Like, if you're going to go back to time period, <laughs> yeah, Brittany, you're pooping out in the yard. All I'm yeah. saying is, like, I would really like you guys to commit actually <laughs> to. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so at some point you have to draw a line where you're going to, where you're going to make <laughs> concessions and where you're going to have modern amenities. Yeah. Um, so I would say eclectic is our style. We, we tend towards things that are correct for the area. Um, but we are such like art deco fans that like, we just love that aesthetic so much, mm-hmm. especially in lighting. And if the house didn't originally have lighting in it, sure, we could go to, you know, a gas electrical uh, time period and, you know, put some of that stuff in there. But we're a little, we, we take some liberties with some things, especially yeah. with, with, with electrical, with like the structure of the house, the thing that's permanent, uh, a much more like, how was it originally? Let's put it back to originally. We moved the wall upstairs just because it wasn't there originally. Yeah. Um, much more of a um so so we make concessions for that um yeah and like we we want to make sure like the doors look like you know we i mean all the doors that we're using are all old doors mm-hmm. the, the even down to the um uh, the doorknobs the handles all the the wear like so we're we're trying to be conscious of that but then at the same time you know there's definitely some yeah, so things that aren't permanent, um, we take some liberties with, but, you know, structure and things like that, um, we go uh, as close to the time period as we can. Oh, I think that's a great way uh, to do it without, you know, I think some people get into an old house and want to make it, you know, in the 2000s. And I think that is the wrong way to go. But I think you can, uh, yeah. yeah, you can pick stuff from every decade that will fit aesthetically in a house rather than set it all the way back to... Like my basement, okay, is all this naughty wood paneling. Like it's all of that. And so I'm like, I have two options. I can go with this and just make it 60s and 70s and some early 80s. Or I could just kill myself and be like, let's make this modern farmhouse and then pickle it and do this. And <laughs> like, let's put some subway tile somewhere. Like it's one of the things where yeah. you've got to lend yourself to the aesthetic for uh, your own sanity and the house's sanity yeah i think it seems to be trending towards people being more conscious of not taking an old house and trying to make it something it's not trying to open the floor plan and mm-hmm. put shiplap everywhere and <laughs> paint the brick white you know mm-hmm. so i think people are becoming more conscious of that um yeah we're waiting for that really trend cool. to uh, roll through here where we're at we're uh <laughs> kind of a couple years eh, behind. A little behind <laughs> Fifteen. Well, yeah, you have like cheap old houses that are kind of leading that charge, and um, oh man, you know, it's great. Other people out there. It's, it's the the social media component of the community is really, I think, kind of spearheading that movement. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. All right, I have one more question about the house, and then we're going to move on to what you guys collect. Um, is there a house that's in two? So structurally aside, structure sound. Is there a house you would walk away from, like job wise? Say it was like your dream architecture and style. If you went in and I mean it was a top to bottom redo, but the structure was good, would you do it, Dave? I see Brittany's face is like shut up. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I think we've like we've decided. I think that Dave and I've talked, and we definitely had I think the mindset of the old house because of how much work it was going to be that we would just die there because it would just take long to work on it that like how could you just walk away from that many years of working on it but now that we've realized and I think it's just like a good reminder in general that just because this is what you've decided doesn't mean that that's the way that it always has to be Mm -hmm. um I think that that's just definitely an old 
you know, our parents or our grandparents' way of thinking of everything. Like yeah. you get a job and you work it for the rest of your life, and that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's okay to have variety and to, just to change your mind, and yeah. you don't mm-hmm. owe anyone an explanation. Yes. Um, um, because that's I think that was the hardest thing that I had with the other houses when we decided to do it. I was like, well, what are people going to say? And then I'm like, no, like that that it doesn't matter. This mm-hmm. is what's best for our family. Mm-hmm. And I I think that with this house, it it's going to be amazing right now. And it's on 20 acres, and there's definitely a lot of room to to grow not with more kids, but just to be able to grow and, and make it whatever we want. For sure. And, mm-hmm. um, but that also doesn't mean that if something else were to come along, I, yeah. I think that we would, we put blinders up and just say, mm-hmm. no, you know, I, I mean, it would have to be the right thing, but, um, personally, I, I, I don't think that we have that mindset. Of, well, it's good. Good for now until it's not. Yeah. Until it's not, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it will be forever. Who knows? And, and maybe that is that it'll be just good. And, and okay for yeah. forever, but um, I, I'm glad that we kind of switched our mindset up a little bit, just because there's so many cool houses out there. Well, that's the thing, you want to see them all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we love mid-century modern homes. I mean, I don't want a super modern home, but the look is just so incredible, and mm. you know, I would love to live in a house like that. I don't, you know, there's just yeah. There's so many different styles that we love. Right. In our Tudor house, we loved the house. We just didn't love the location permanently. Yeah. So, like, if we're going to pick that up, house up and move it on a we bigger parcel. stayed in that one. So, it's just, it's kind of funny how it all works out. Yeah. Well, I think it's good to be, uh, to be flexible and to, like, speak to what you said of, you're not what you've always been and things are not what mm-hmm. they'll always be. And that is definitely something that our parents passed down of like, you're going to have to go to college and get a 30 year career. And then you're just going to retire and mow your yard all the time. Okay. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's yeah. all it's going to be. And I think it's beautiful that, and I see it more in like our generation of just going like, well, no, why can't I just do this for a little bit or do that or yeah. test right. the waters. Houses. See if I like it. Yeah. I don't start a know. podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah so like i know like growing up i definitely my grandmother was like let's let's go shop at this store let's go shop at this store and my taste didn't really start to change until i was out and about on my own when do you think for both of you like what do you would you say your style started as versus landing at the eclectic side has it always lend itself to the eclectic side i mean i feel like i've always liked eclectic things i i not that I don't want to be like everybody else, but I always want something that's different or, you know what I'm saying? So for me, I think that, but that's probably been the way that I've been my entire life that I, in probably all aspects of, of where I'm at. So I think that that's more, more my, where I've always been, but. Mm, that's a good question for me. Um, Cause we were talking about how, you know, the furniture and the antiques were more uh, utilitarian mm-hmm. for us growing up, and I can't think of when that necessarily changed. Um, I get interested in architecture um, at a younger age, I think, just because of my working in the industry uh, and seeing old buildings. Um, and then I think I just gravitated towards things that were Art Deco, geometric shapes, the fun colors. Um, never really been into primitives or anything like that. Um, there's something about the way things were made in the art deco um, period that are just anything that they made 
was a piece of art. Like there was some sort of dec- decorative nature to it. It wasn't just a light. It wasn't just a table. Um, you know, it looked cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what uh, what I started to gravitate towards most. Yeah, I love I love the you know it starts to lean into that modern sense in a way of what was modern for its time coming out of Art Nouveau and the Victorian era to be like I like these embellishments but let's simplify it and make it a little stronger. Sure, sure. The first time I saw Art Deco, I was like, oh, yeah. It just is like timeless and kind of ethereal. And then the housewares that you can get with it. Where do you guys? So you guys have a much better picking atmosphere. Uh, than we do in Michigan. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yes, for sure. We have a lot of, (laughs) I mean, it's a lot of where we're from. Let's see. Stuff was built in the early 1900s. There's some stuff late in the 1800s, but not a lot. And so when you're picking for things here, it's a lot of stuff from that, you know, early 19th century and not as intricate. So if you like mid-century, it's a great place to pick. But I mean, you guys have... I mean, in Michigan, there's a lot of cities that have fallen into disrepair and there's all those beautiful homes and buildings. How do you start the process of going in to be like, we're going to go salvage that? Like, are there salvage sales? Does it go out somewhere? What is that about? Um, gosh, we're, we do a little bit of everything. It's some antique shops, some salvage shops, it's marketplace, um, smaller stuff we do on eBay. Um, a, a lot of, a lot of it's, um, just connections with people, both for my work and um, um, social media friends. They know what we are into and what we do. Um, even just through Instagram, we've had people reach out to us saying, "Hey, do you want this? Are you interested in that?" That's how we got the uh, that school salvage job. Is somebody, one of our followers, um, works for a company that was working on this property and said, "Hey, we're." renovating we're not going to use a lot of this stuff um you know it's probably going to go in the dumpster unless you want it and we're like well, we'll be there yeah <laughs> oh, wow. like you cannot put that in the dumpster come oh. on like then you feel like you have a job to do like you have to save all these pieces well they, they yeah they didn't want it to go in the dumpster they knew yeah, they had yeah, a they had a value to it so um yeah. we were the first uh first call so we and, and that was we had just bought this property and we were working on it so the timing wasn't ideal but we couldn't let the opportunity. Um, yeah, the timing was, was awful for where we were at, but it was like, okay, and by the way, it needs to be out by this weekend. And we're like, okay, I guess we're running a van or a truck and we're yeah. going and we're going to try to find some people to help because not only are these pieces awesome, but they're massive and they're heavy as hell. Yeah. And it's like, you need, you need people and you need, you need extra hands. You can't do it all by yourself, Dave. Mm. Yeah. He's like, well, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna figure that. it out. We're gonna. Yeah. That's how I am. I'll figure it out. I'll do it myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Same. There's always a way. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, with your guys's collection now in the house, outside of the salvage aspect, what are some of the pieces you look for to fill your space? That's a question for the designer. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm excited for the bathrooms. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to the bathrooms. We collected all of these damn closet tubs over the years. So I'm like, just waiting for the house that I actually finally get to have one. And then, then we'll be like, oh, this one's cooler. So let's use this one. And then, then we sell one and then we find another one. And so I'm, I'm really, really looking. And we love sinks. And so, yeah, we've got a lot of bathroom stuff, I feel like. Do, yeah. So um, I'm really looking forward to both of the bathroom remodels. We've got some really neat pieces to use for that. Um, 
And then it's like we know what we're looking for in terms of certain pieces. So it's just being able to be on the hunt for those things. That's like that's exciting for, for that. But um, I don't know if there's just like there's not necessarily one specific piece. It's just I'm just excited that, well, first of all, I get to live in a normal size home again. <laughs> and then, you know, like once we're not actually uh, doing any type of construction on it, what that it lends itself to being able to like okay let's relax let's start antiquing like let's start getting out there again mm-hmm. and start looking for yeah. stuff and yeah. so because I don't think we've actively really been looking for stuff it's more so no. just maybe what we come across type of thing so right. I, we I think we definitely miss doing that yeah especially this year it's been uh, I love to go and shop and look and do all those things, especially at antique mm-hmm. stores and not being able to do that so much this year. I'm like, it's sad. Yeah. There's a, there's yeah. a huge outdoor uh, antique uh, um, market in Allegan, Michigan that they have in the summer. I think they have four or five, six of them every summer um, once a month um, that we'd go to a couple times a year. And they just have a ton of stuff is on a, a fairground. Um, but obviously those were all canceled. Yeah. It's people just bring some really neat pieces. So that's fun being able to do that. Our goal next year, if everything is a a little bit better is Jill and I are going to take the show on the road so we can antique. That's an actually bad idea. And we want to go, you know, we want to go, you know, to the Midwest and to back East because there's just such great picking opportunities over there. That it's and all the antique shows, the trunk shows. I mean, my the dealer that I used to go to all the time, they've since retired, but they would go back east two or three times a year to those okay. market days and shows and just bring back trailerfuls of antiques. And I was yeah. always like, and I'm like 17, 18 years old, waiting to see what they got at the shop. And she, you know, God bless her. She was this like quaint little old lady. I just loved her. Okay. I have two antiques I want to ask about, and then we're going to get to the estate sale walkthrough. I have, if you ever sell that art deco tabletop mannequin. (laughs) Oh Uh my God. The first time I saw that, what, where did you find that? Um, I think that was a Facebook marketplace. Oh God. Did you see the pictures in the email? Oh, the girl. The yeah. Girl. Yes. The girl. Oh my God. I would. I would sell my house. I'd sell my cars. I maybe would sell my dog. Whoa! It's one of the prettiest things <laughs> I've ever seen, and it's a because it's, it's a so piece cool. that you don't see. And I'm the same Correct. as Brittany it's is extremely rare. Correct. I cannot have anything that other people have. I have to have weird shit, and that is <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's rare. It's cool. It's from the time period that we love. Um, <sighs> it's so. So that was one of the ones that didn't go. Uh, that we didn't sell, we yeah, we brought that one over. And then you have my other favorite piece is that Longhorn mount. Yes, Walter. Walter. Walter oh Conte. God, yes, you named it. <laughs> <laughs> we always well, ask the people. Kids, the kids will just come in and say hi, Walter. Oh. Just, I mean, and then everyone's like, "Who is Walter?" Like, oh, that's the Longhorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, because we, totally we had somebody on the show that she has a mini taxidermied pony from 1910. And no, we were like, neat. what'd you name it? And she's like, I didn't name it. And I was like, why? Like, I would name it. <laughs> yeah. I have a temp- uh, taxidermied uh, duckling and his name's Templeton. Like, they have to okay. have, yeah, have personalities. Yeah. I have an elk rack and her name is Bernadette. See? 
Guys, name your mounts, okay? <laughs> Do you guys plan on adding a lot more taxidermy to the house, or is there a limit on that? That's not a question for me. Oh, I, it doesn't bother me. I think people expect <laughs> me to be like so like clutch your pearls. I, mean, I love animals, I really do. But it's not like Dave's the one that killed them all. So, right, you know, right. I don't exactly. know. It's, just, it, it's such a weird thing, and I don't want to ever offend anybody. But For it doesn't sure. bother me. So, um, if we wanted to get more, sure, I don't care. The kids are obsessed with all of it. They sit around and talk about them all the time. We've got, you know, this fox and a bunch of deer and the coyote and whatever. So they're all, they're very in tune with that and they just think it's the coolest thing. So, um, but it always has to have like a certain look or be super ugly, you know, like you don't want something that looks pristine. Like I'm looking at this really gnarly coyote right here and <laughs> his tongue is all disgusting. Yeah, it, it is trash but it just looks cool because at least it's like it's just something different you know so yeah i'd probably buy more but we're um limited on the wall space and we don't want the whole house to be yeah taxidermy like everywhere like a room or a wall um you know you could do it to make it look yeah exactly (laughs) you could do it to make it look kind of cool in a certain room like the room that we're in right now it will probably end up being just like a tv room or whatever but um yeah, and then there's Walter out on the, the mantle, but other than that, I probably not a, not throughout by any means. I don't, yeah, I don't want to look like we're hunters or something. <laughs> right. you know? like, that, yeah, yeah. The vibe I'm going for. I'm sure, like it's similar where you guys live as to where we live. Like hunting is a, a large part of the culture. One hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah. like, sure, I I grew up hunting and deer primarily, and we still do um, out here, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, everywhere around us, it's like sure. a big hunting. Yeah, thing. yeah. So, so like seeing I, I think elk and deer like mounts. if you draw the line, yeah. like of where you, yeah. Uh, so that's why it's always like some type of weird animal yeah. or something like that because it's the deer are ones that David's had for many years. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we we just try to be. Try to get the cool ones, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. Like when you're around it all the time, and you just see elk and deer everywhere, and then you yeah. see a shitty coyote, you're like, "That buddy's coming home with yeah. me." <laughs> yeah. My uh, my stepmom's mom has, uh, and I posted it in an earlier episode, but it's a they have a jackalope, which is one of in my like top ten that I have to have, and then they have the ass of a white-tailed deer that's taxidermied, mm-hmm. and then a pair of I think testicles from some animal that are also taxidermed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they really took the three yeah. steps forward of going, I don't want what everybody else has. But I might draw the line on testicles. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and I think, it, I don't know if this is correct, but they may or may not be a canteen. So really up oh. in the kitsch factor. Ew. In the, uh, yeah. I think it's for just for that reaction. Well, they got it. it. So they're also the type of people that put bedpans in a bathroom, like they collect bedpans. Oh, oh, okay. And I mean, none of those. I'm not going to yuck somebody else's yum, but I'm not. E- but ooh, being a nurse, no. <laughs> Just a nurse, so she's like, I <laughs> know. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you don't want those vintage things hanging. I don't. One, I had a friend, and she's like, I found the perfect thing for you, and it was a, a bedpan, and I was like, um, There's not amount of clean you can do. Thanks. <laughs> I'm guess. Uh, thank you. Put it right on Facebook. Free yeah. best offer. Okay, before we get into the estate sale walkthrough, I want. Are you guys to plug your stuff you want to plug your only fans dave i'm kidding 
Your yes, I do, job. actually. Okay, go ahead yep. and put that in the top of the show. I'm I'm just... Just... <laughs> lots, of, lots of tool belt. Uh, uh, uh... Yeah, lots of tool belt yeah, stuff. We might have to. i got to be able to cash flow this house. Yeah, gonna... that's right. yeah. What's everybody want to see? Okay, all right. So go ahead and plug your stuff, what you would like people to. So our Instagram is at Rademaker Revival. We have a TikTok. Oh, yeah. Uh, R-A-D-E-M-A-C-H-E-R. And we'll link it everywhere. Thank you. And uh, we have a TikTok that we play around with a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it right now. Nice. And Brittany, what's yours? I want people to follow you. Oh, it's at B Brittany. So it's B-E-E-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y. I love yeah, it. I love that. And we'll have, of course, like we always do on every show, we'll have all of those linked on the website for our listeners. And we'll also um, tag it all in your post that'll go up. And awesome. now, I don't know if you guys have, have you listened to an estate sale walkthrough? Do you know the, if not, I'll walk you through it. It's really stupid. And it's something I came up with on the fly in our first episode. And I hate it ever since. It's where I just put, you know, I just really make you like us at the very end of the episode, really solidify the relationship. So the estate sale walkthrough is completely imaginary. Okay. Everything is made up. But the the hanger is that everything at this estate sale is your favorite shit. Like if you're like, well, is this there? For sure it's there. Everything's there. It's your dream sale. You've taken out a small loan. Or you've sold a million things to go here, okay? And there's different scenarios as we walk through. The only catch is you can only pick one or the other of the items. There's no going back. There's no double dipping, okay? And today's estate sale, we're headed to an abandoned schoolhouse. It was like a reformatory school for girls. And it was built in the early 1900s and it was in operation until the 80s. Um, The school has several parts to pick through. And the first we're going into is the library. So walking in, they've organized everything to make the sale flow as best as possible. And along the wall is all of the library furniture, the original library furniture. So there is, along the wall, two intact card catalogs or two intact rolling library ladders. Which are you picking? I pick the ladder, personally. Mm, I probably pick the catalog. But that's yeah, perfect. You guys are picking together. I was going to so say, can... they have a loophole. No, they don't have, they're uh, picking, they don't know each other. They've never met. Yeah, that, was, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't in the list of rules. Yeah. No. Nope. So we want people to figure it out. Okay. What are you picking, Jill? Uh, probably the card catalog. Um, I am going to pick the latter only because I want a Beauty and the Beast moment. Which is like <laughs> whipping around the library on the ladder with the dress. That's it. And then I'll sell it. Yeah. All right. We've picked through the library. Now we're headed to the next building. Um, And the next building is just one of the, like, schoolhouse buildings. It's nothing crazy. And the first things we come across outside lined on the table is milk crates filled with bits from the school. And the bits include hinges, outlet covers, doorknobs, cabinet poles, and knobs, switch plates. That one. All that. All that. (laughs) What milk crate are you picking through? So they're all separated. Which one are you going to? Wait, wait, there's different milk crates with different items yep. in them? so each item listed. So there's cabinet pulls and knobs. Those are in one. Oh, Door those knobs, are all those separate. Are got, it. got it. Yep. Got it, I, got gotta, it. I really got to stick it to people when I make these, Dave. Because, uh, you know, how do you get so people? Which one are you that? getting? There's cabinet pulls in one and doorknobs in the other? Yeah. yeah. I'll grab one, you grab the other. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, gosh, that's a, that's a tough one. We have a bunch of both, and I love them both for different reasons. I would probably say the pulls, um, 
they're usually more decorative, have a lot more uses that you can put them on as far as furniture. As far as the doorknobs, you're kind of pigeonholed into where you can use them. Mm-hmm. What about you, Brett? That's my explanation. What nice. were the other ones? All right. Because Dave was like so animate. <laughs> <laughs> So there are hinges, outlet covers, doorknobs, cabinet poles, knobs, switch plate covers. Mm -hmm. Maybe the switch plate covers? Because it depends on how cool they look, but. They're cool. They're so fucking cool. They're all They're so fucking cool. Remember, it's all your favorite stuff. (laughs) Oh, it's my favorite stuff. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take them. I'll take them all. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take them. All right. Jill? (laughs) (laughs) She didn't see this one before. Oh, I know. So usually she can I never see him. Uh, The Pole. No. <laughs> Sweet. Ugh. The poles. Okay. I regret it already. And I'm I'm gonna do switch plate covers. Okay, I'll give you half and you give me half. Cool, cool, cool. cool, cool, cool. <laughs> All right. Last stop on the train is we're going to the gymnasium where this is where the whole rest of the cell is set up. So everything from the school is in here. Um aligned up in a gallery wall on one of the walls is you can only pick one or the other of these. There are framed panels of old stained glass windows oh. or reverse painted signs and mirrors, hand painted. Oh. Where are you picking? I am. I was for sure when you said stained glass, I was going to pick stained glass, but. Uh, I'm stained glass for sure. It's my turn. <laughs> um, <laughs> re- yeah, for sure. It probably reverse painted signs. I mean, we have a couple currently and they're just. They're cool. And if it's all my favorite stuff. You just got a sign the other day. I did. Yeah, I just got a. I got it. Literally, you just came home with one that says meat market. It does say meat market. It's about an eight foot meat market. That is awesome. I was like, what the hell do you have back there? Oh, I found this sign. I'm like, well, you went to go find me a dresser. So did you get me a dresser? No. And there was no dresser in sight. Meanwhile, I'm living in a freaking. Uh, laundry basket, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> but at least we have this eight foot long meat market sign. I told her I was going to sell it to a local singles club. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I was say, did you stand behind it in the shop without anything on? Hey, Britt, <laughs> no, can I, there, there, there's, there, there's for sure a post coming up, including the sign. Yeah, yeah I hope so. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe that, that'll be the only thing. Like, <gasps> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Meat market. I love it. Dave's Dave's meat Except market. Except it's just like cooking with Dave. It's like not even anything cool. It's, <laughs> it's just like so, something super random. It's an ASMR Hi. cooking channel. <laughs> yeah. Just cutting raw meat, eating it, Broccoli. using an air fryer. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. on pepper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Putting things in crock pots. That's all it is. It's just a crock pot only fans. Yeah. 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 There you go. Okay. You know, Lots of ideas. I'll get, I'll get it. I'll get the monthly subscription. We appreciate your support. <laughs> <laughs> Got to support your friends, small businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate you. I, I really do. I know. Uh, I'm going to go signs because last time we did stain, I went stained glass. Mm-hmm. So this time I'm going signs. This is hard for me, um, but I'm going to go with the reverse painted glass also. Uh, yeah, There is a count on Instagram, sidebar, that is a guy in England that just teaches sign painting classes. Do you follow him, Dave? What's it's, the name of it? Oh, it's Dave Smith Artistry. Mm-mm, no, but I don't think I'm familiar. 
all he posts is um, he does these workshops in England and then he posts the work that he's done and he shows like all the gilding and um, gold flake and all that stuff. Da- it's just Dave so Smith he- artist. And it is. Oh, it's so cool. You got to follow it. Yeah. Cause I'd, lo- I'd love to do on uh, like a transom window, you know, the letters of the house numbers with the gold leafing. Mm-hmm. I thought that would be pretty cool to learn how to do, but yeah. I don't really have any experience in that. You're gonna have to fly to we'll get some more projects done, and then you can learn. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to get her a dresser first. Yeah, yeah. dresser first. Yeah, dresser, we've been on the lookout. Okay. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for sitting down with us today. I can't wait to have Thank more you. people watch your journey of what you guys do at the house because I love it. I love Thank it. Thank you so much, much for having us. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. And to find out even more about the antiques discussed in today's episode, stay tuned for Dave and Britt's Curio Corner. Yep. You know, I'm Snoopy in general. In my real life, anyways. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. Shock. And so whenever I see somebody that buys a house from cheap old houses and they have an Instagram account, I have to follow it. I have to see what they're going to do. Well, it's just like an estate sale that you've been like looking at a house and you're like, ooh, this is my opportunity to go look. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this was, I mean, it was really, if you go back through on their Instagram, they have a lot of like, uh, Dave's really great about like doing story highlights and there's stuff from like their old house that they moved from into this new house. Mm-hmm. And then it's full progress from the beginning, the first walkthroughs and all the stuff that was left behind. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot. Up to where they are now. I know. I always like watching people who do remodels on that kind of stuff because I wish I could do stuff like that. Right. But I just. And he does it by himself. Yeah. See, and if I were to remodel something, it would be by myself because I wouldn't trust anybody else. Yeah. Same. But I also don't have those skill sets. Right. But I have learned a lot because he's really great. Dave's really great at explaining what he's doing and sometimes he'll do little walkthroughs or explain it step by step yeah 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 and then i'm like oh i could totally do that and then i'm like ooh, maybe not we'll do it in a small like dollhouse yeah there you go we'll 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 practice yeah (laughs) then we'll apply it to real life (laughs) um and just at the top just to reiterate their socials to follow because um, like Brittany shares a lot of like the in-home design stuff on hers, mm-hmm. plus her own business that she does. Yeah. And she shares a lot of the twins and they're like a home life. Yes. I love it. I love following her. And then Dave has the account for the house and they think they both mm-hmm. work conjunction. So, uh, it's Rademacher Revival and we'll have all this linked on our Instagram. So you can just go there and find the tags and then Britney. I love that. I love it too. <laughs> And if you're not following already, please go follow Cheap Old Houses. Yeah. Because I love to look at real estate listings. Like if I see a house in my neighborhood go up, I have I put the address in. I got to look at the comps. I got to see what the inside of that house looks like. Yeah, because you don't, I don't know. I <laughs> I used to, when we were younger, um, we'd drive around because there was nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. And if there was like somebody's lights on and their curtains were open, I'd be like, slow down. Yeah. Because I'm that kind of Snoopy stalker. Mm-hmm. But because, well, and then I worked home health for a while. So some of the houses I was like, ooh, I get to go in here. Right, what is this? Yeah, yeah. So. And that was like growing up um, in Shelly, we always like close the blinds at night, close the curtains, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. When I used to go visit Carrie, episode one, Carrie Darrington in LA, 
she lived in a six floor corner apartment and a lot of people in big cities leave their windows all the way open mm-hmm. and i I was like, I feel like I'm living in an aquarium. And she's like, oh, I like it. See, and I'm that way. I love, I, so I purposely put a lot of windows in my house because mm-hmm. I love natural light. I just love it because I soak up the sun like a lizard. Yes. And um, so we've moved in. Yeah. We're all moved in. Um, But I don't have blinds yet. Oh, man. So, and then I realized I have a lot of windows that need said blinds. Uh-huh. So right now we <laughs> It doesn't bother us. We don't have curtains or anything because right. we have bathrooms and that's where we'll change and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I was telling my parents this and I was giving them like a little tour through, you know, FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. And my mom's like, you don't have curtains. And I'm like, no, nah, we're going to get blinds eventually. She's like, people can see. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Like we have a huge window in our bedroom and I don't know. It doesn't bother me. Right. Like everybody else I know, they're like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. People can see you. I'm right. like, they're not going to see much. Well, and I'm like of the thing. Dustin's the same way. He can't like walk through the house in his underwear, right? We have a lot of windows, but I also have window treatment yes, you on do. every window. And uh, I am of the assumption if somebody looks into my home and sees me naked through my window, that will be the last time they look through my window. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. It's just never. Or I yeah. mean, not. Sorry, but. It's like not just, exciting. Yeah, I'm not. That's it. I'm just not exciting mm. at all. No. And I love my favorite window in my house is above my kitchen sink. It looks out onto the street mm-hmm. and I can watch it. Yeah, that's a good window. It's a nice window. So how is the new house? It's big. Like because we came from it was like a 900 square foot apartment mm-hmm. with practically four adults. My children are 13 and mm-hmm. tiny adults. Yeah. And then two big dogs. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like. Because I planned my whole kitchen, so my kitchen is literally my dream kitchen. I love it. And it's so nice. I have cooked in that kitchen every single night. Oh, uh, and you have all your stuff again, I all have your pots all, and pans. Like, every time I'd open a box, I'd be like, oh, look, I've missed you. Like, I found my um, my box full of all my cookbooks. <gasps> well, not all of them. Most of them. I love. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, what are we gonna make tonight? What do we want? What do uh, we want? And like, so last night I made a Hawaiian meal. We had um, traditional Hawaiian macaroni salad and yeah. huli huli chicken. <gasps> nice. Yeah, yeah. My husband's like, oh god, you're cooking again. And I was like, I'm like, that apartment had such negative energy that I just didn't want right, to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Jill, that's like your lifeblood. Yeah. Cooking, cooking, baking, baking. I love it all. Entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, when I saw your Instagram story last night with the cookbook, I was, my heart was so happy. I was like, oh, she gets to cook. She's I, in her kitchen. I know. I just, I've been loving it so much. It's just been so nice. And like, like I said, came like the apartment had such a negative energy and this is just such open and airy mm-hmm. and flowing energy that it's like. My creative juices are cooking again, yeah. but it now it's to the point where I don't know where to put anything. Right, because it's like, oh, I've moved like this one little basket I have <laughs> that you gave me, and I keep moving it around. And my husband's like, "Is this like I have to see pay attention game? Like, am I paying attention? Yes, I'm paying attention. You've moved it. You're like, no, like, that's Sam's husband. And I'm like, no, I just don't know where I want to put it. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. I know it's beautiful. You really did a great job designing this house. Thank you. It's really, it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's it's funny. so you. Yeah, and that's the other thing. A lot of people, because we've had a couple of neighbors that are like, "I looked through your house while it was being made," and I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I did yours too." 
<laughs> like it's not. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, I just love how you did it. I wish I would have done something like that. Because the kitchen, well, you know, the kitchens yeah. around in this area, which is baffling, are small. So small. And everybody has a large family Which here. they have a large family. And so the our dining room was essentially supposed to be like an office. And they had like this little nook for the kitchen table. And I switched that around. And even our builder was like, well, you know, some people would. And I'm like, no, I need a dining room. I have a big dining table. I entertain. Yeah. And no, I'm excited. I can't wait to have you over. Oh, I can't wait. I am I'm so pumped. I'm just, I've watched this happen, you know, before we started the show, the process start and then yeah. to build through all this. And it is, I'm so happy for I you. Know, I, and you know, I'm not one of tears, but when we finally moved in, I just was like, this is home. We're home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the perfect light at the end of the yeah. 2020 tunnel. Gosh. Yeah. And I can't wait to help you plant shit outside oh, at that house. I can't either. I My wheels are spinning now, like all I, the time. I know. My husband's like, who are we going to hire? I'm like, oh, no, no, no. We're not hiring. <laughs> Me and Sam are doing this. Yeah, we're doing this. Like, this is our thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so stoked. Yeah, I can't wait. And, you know, we talk a lot about this. Dave and Brittany's episode wasn't super, like, uh, fact-heavy or, like, item-heavy in the sense of what we would normally go over in a curio corner. Yeah, because they knew a a lot. I mean, that was their thing. Yeah. So we but didn't we, have a lot. Yeah. And we touched a lot on architectural styling and styling of different decades that we, you know, I was thinking about it. We haven't talked about any of that on the show before. No, this has been the first episode where it's been more architectural yeah. design yeah. than anything. And we, which is interesting to me, I, you know, uh, when I would go visit Carrie in LA, we did... Um, the LA Conservatory does walking tours downtown, or mm-hmm. they did in the the BC before COVID. Yeah, and so we, then they're free to take. I think you can do a donation depending on what it is. Oh God, that, but we that, did an architectural so cool. tour of downtown Los Angeles. Oh, and it's you know you walk by buildings a million times and you don't pay attention to it. So it was really cool to walk around. And I remember seeing, we talk about in Dave's episode, Art Deco. Yeah. That came up quite often. It's his favorite. It's, it's their yeah, favorite. It's like their go-to. Yes. And we walked around. So in, in LA, we would walk around and see there was this big skyscraper that was Art Deco. I'll put a picture of it up on the Instagram. I'll show you before you leave today. But seeing Art Deco at that scale. Oh, I bet it was like. Was crazy. It, yeah. Because Art Deco, you don't normally see it on a big scale. No, it was it's it's a uh, PC. Yeah, where you see it architecturally. Yeah, but so the thing with Art Deco too, it was there wasn't one particular plate. Like there's so many yes. out there. So this is kind of from a lot of different areas. But Art Deco, also called Style Modern, was a mo- movement in decorative arts and architecture that originated in the 1920s and developed into a major style in Western Europe and the United States during the 1930s. Its name was derived from International Exhibition of Modern Decorative and Industrial Arts held in Paris in 1925 where the style was first exhibited. Art Deco design represented modernism turned into fashion. Its products included both individually crafted luxury items and mass-produced wares. But in either case, the intention was to create a sleek and anti-traditional elegance that symbolized wealth and sophistication. It's almost like, you know, how the fancy Victorian, Mm -hmm. and then it was like, we need something fancier. Mm -hmm. 
That's how I always thought Art Deco was fancy. Yes, it was decadence. Yeah. It was over the top. Yeah. And so recognizable features of the styles are simple, clean shapes, often were streamlined look, ornate that in a geometric or stylized from representational forms, and unusually varied, often expensive materials, which included man-made substances. Um, Bakelite. Bakelite. <laughs> yeah. Vital glass and ferro-concrete. What is that? So I looked it up because I had never heard that term. No. You know when you see a pool being made. Right. And there's the rebar structure that's bent into those soft shapes. Okay. And then it's poured with concrete. That is ferro-concrete. Really? So in Art Deco, there's lots of like soft organic shapes covered with geometrical lines, oh, right? Yeah. So building construction was made a lot with ferro concrete so it's that really structural almost sculpture like oh interesting right totally i never interesting and it's still uh it, it, like that technique is still used today huh well huh. i just got another brain mm -hmm. wrinkle i learned a lot this episode yeah yeah i did too <laughs> um let's see in addition to and they also use natural ones, so like jade silver ivory obsidian chrome and rock crystal mm -hmm. The, this pomp and circumstance was not by mistake, though. In the early 1900s, we had just come out of what would be known as our First World War in 1918, and in this same decade would be going into the Great Depression of 1929. People wanted to feel important, wealthy, and okay. So that sounds familiar. Yeah, it's very much still its 2020 theme. Yeah, yeah, we're just, it's just a never-ending circle, guys. <laughs> Okay, so this last part, um, and it was interesting to me. So among the formative influences on Art Deco, there was Art Nouveau, which is just before Art Deco. Which I think most people yeah. are right there. Yeah. Know that. And then Bauhaus, um, Cubism. And then this one is the impresario Sergei Diaghilev. Very good. Was uh, a ballet rue. So the the Russian ballet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he wasn't a ballerina per se. He wasn't a composer. But he was, he had a great imagination for what he wanted the ballet to be. And it set the tone for modern ballet. People still hearken back to the way Sergei uh, conducted himself and wrote these ballets. Right. Yeah. He was, he was a big fucking deal. And it's, so those things all tie together to this time frame in such a capsule and these decorative ideas, they came from um, indigenous people, Egyptian, and early classical sources, as well as from nature. And then the motifs included nude female figures, animals, foliage, sun rays, all in those conventionalized sources. So if you, the most, I think, the kind of, I don't, bastardizing is the right word, but the, the most common, I would say, re, like way people uh, know of Art Deco would be the Great Gatsby. Yeah. That is very much art deco but if you look at it it's like the linear time frame of like you had the victorian era ending mm -hmm. and then you went straight into art nouveau right which is in kind of in between victorian and art deco and then it gets even it was kind of like what the future was going to look like right and i think the art nouveau to people will sometimes assume that's the art deco yeah. which yeah. it just that's the leading up to it mm -hmm. I think a lot of people will get those confused because yeah. I did for quite some for sure. time because for I sure. just thought it was the same thing. Yeah. So you kind of they bleed into each other. Right. And then everybody, because it was such a dark time in history, everybody was looking for something to feel. Right. And I almost wonder if with the Corona 
mm-hmm. is something. What's going to come of this to bring in the right? What's going to be our, and yeah, all that. Yeah, because it's it's. I mean, it's uh, yeah, tragedy wise, the same kind of uh, not the same kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it yeah. And it's going to be one of the things where you look back on this time in our lives. Yeah, like it will have something to stamp like, oh, yeah, this came after the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And we were, you know, we talked about in this episode several different types of architectural style. And as I was writing this up, I was like, oh, they they all flow together century wise. Yeah, it was very cool to see that happen. And that the current home that they live in is an Italianate. And this is uh, Wikipedia came in with this one because it was pretty varied subject wise so i really wanted to put it into a cube of what it really is mm-hmm. um the italianate style it was first developed in britain in about 1802 by john nash with the construction of Cronkill in shropshire um the small and this is like one of the most notable italianate buildings in england this small country house is generally accepted to be the first italianate villa in england from which is derived the italianate architecture of the late regency and if you've listened to hayden's episode the regency in the victorian era we Mm, talked about a lot we did in his episode and in the early victorian era the italianate style was further developed and popularized by the architect sir charles barry in the 1830s barry's italianate style occasionally termed barry-esque drew heavily for its motifs on the buildings of the italian renaissance though sometimes at odds with Nash's semi-rustic Italianate villas. So it was a revival of that type of Italian Renaissance, Greek, all that stuff rolled into one. The style was not confined to England and was employed in varying forms. But after the decline in Britain, as a lot of things throughout Northern Europe and the British Empire, from the late 1840s to the 1890, it achieved huge popularity in the United States, where it was promoted by the architecture, the architect Alexander Jackson Davis. Um, the key visual components when you're looking at something, whether it's not it's Italianate or not, it'll have low pitched or flat roofs, which Dave and Brittany's house is a flat roof. Mm-hmm. Um, or it is hipped. And hipped is where all of the sides point downwards. So there's the top in the there's the one point in the very center of the roof and everything slopes downwards oh. from that so it doesn't have all the different peaks and stuff that um like a tutor okay, would have yeah yeah so I know it's what just you're talking about. yeah one building like when you draw a house as a kid yeah and it's got the one peak just, that's a that's hipped it. roof uh it has projecting eaves that are supported by corbels corbels are the really ornate fancy design that go right underneath the edge oh, of the yeah. roof you see them sometimes in antique stores sell as like decorative yeah People use them like for shelving and stuff mm-hmm. now. Um, imposing cornice structures, pedimented windows and doors, arch-headed, pedimented, or Surly and Williams um, windows, which is like the windows that are high up, but they're low to the floor. So oh. upstairs in the twins' room, mm-hmm. they have these big, like human-sized windows right. that go to the floor. And that is very typical of Italianate architecture. There's the tall first floor windows suggesting, oh, it's piano nobile, nobile, Belvedere or maculated signorial towers. Some of them have it, some don't. Um, I can never pronounce this word. Cupolas. Cupolas. Cupolas? C-O-P-O-L-A-S. Cupolas? Cupolas. Cupolas. Cupola. And so cupolas are like the big rounded kind of structures, mm-hmm. um, like a dome-ish yeah. shape. Yeah. 
coins, which I'd never heard this term, and it's Q-U-O-I-N-S, and it is the corner of a building that comes together, and you'll see the different types of masonry that's stacked, oh, okay. kind of alternating. Oh. That's a coin, and it's a masonry technique to finish off the edge of the building because when you're building with masonry, it doesn't yes. match up. So sometimes it'll be little stones. Sometimes it'll be bricks laid in an alternating pattern. Oh, it just okay. is kind of up to the mason. Um, and then balustrades concealing the roofscape um, and so on and so forth. About 15% of Italianate houses in the United States include a tower, which I was like, who got that fact? Who was like pulling Italianate <laughs> houses? Do you have a tower? <laughs> Hi, do you have a moment of your time? I need to see if you have a tower. He's going to every house. <laughs> and then this architectural style became more popular than the Greek Revival by begin by the beginning of the Civil War. Its popularity was due to being suitable to many different building materials and budgets, as well as the development of cast iron and pressed metal technology, making the production more efficient of decorative elements, such as brackets and cornices. However, the style was superseded in popularity in the late 1870s by the Queen Anne and the Colonial Revival styles. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That's super interesting. So, and the Bauhaus was, it's when you realize what Bauhaus is, and then you'll start to see it in a lot of like downtowns of places. And right. Early beginnings of towns. Well, and it's funny too, because then you can look at houses now, can, you can start seeing like different styles within one house. Right. And now I get to... Whereas, like, uh, certain people get pissed off at different architectural stylings because they pull from too many. I know. It's a mess. It gets a little lot. Yeah, but that was, uh, you know, because I'd never heard the term Italianate until I saw their house. Yeah. So. And the flat roofs, though, make me nervous. Yeah, we could never have that here. <laughs> well, then it's in Michigan. It's interesting also. I know. That's, get a lot of yeah, when heavy I, wet yeah, snow. Yeah, with the flat roof, I was like, oh, yeah. man, you have to get up there and like shovel that off. Things you think about when you live somewhere that snows. I also, know. steep driveways are bad. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but their the first house was an English tutor, mm-hmm. which I do enjoy a good I English do too. Tutor. And I, we have a lot here at Idaho We Falls. do. We actually, my husband and I, when we first moved here and we were looking at houses, we looked at an English tutor <gasps> house. We'll have to take some pictures of them and put them, some yeah. of the houses on and the Neverage Street. I can't remember why we didn't like, oh, I don't think you like, because the, so the stairwell up to the loft upstairs was so narrow and tiny that my husband was like, yeah, that's not going to work. But now I'm like, God, I wish we would have gotten that house. Oh, yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. But so this again came from various places because there's a lot of information on English tutors because it's a, it's pretty popular. It was pretty, very popular. Um, but if you grew up in any suburb, chances are you've already seen the style of house. Though these homes are charming and beautiful to look at, they are not like their namesake. They are revivals inspired by the namesake of 400 to 500 years ago. Tudor homes are identifiable in many ways. They have beautiful masonry chimneys artfully included in the architect of the home. And that's what caught my eye on this one. Because they're like, it's like castle-y. It's very romanticized. Yes, 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 yes. It also comes with its own problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's for looks. It's just don't even, guys. Yeah. I'm... It also, there are also very embellished doorways, groupings of windows, and decorative half-timbering. This last... It's it's like the exposed wood with the stucco and the masonry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the middle between it. I love. Me um, too. The most prevalent building material for American Tudors was brick. 
frequently laid out an elaborate pattern on the first story with the second story of stucco or wood and false half-timbering and decorative patterns. There are some simple ways to tell if a house is a genuine English Tudor house or simply a replica. The first thing to look at is the um, external beams. In a real Tudor house, the wooden beams were an integral part of the building with half timbering on the upper story that was filled in in with materials such as stucco. The beams were hand cut and this means that they were irre they would have irregularities because there was so in a real two-door the beams that are exposed on the outside were the beams that were the structure of the house right and you could tell yes so they ran all the way across the second floor and they came out of the house Mm -hmm. so that's what they're referring to as the half timbering of seeing it right the the irregulars of it being hand-sawn yeah and that's when you watch like the fixer upper homes when they are trying to redo they have Mm -hmm. you have to make sure if that's a real one or a fake one. Yeah, because it could be support. You're going to fall. Yes. Um, and so a house that was replicated, though, in the Tudor style um, has beams that are added onto the exterior of the property for decorative purposes. So that's what you see a lot now. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will add those beams in later. Right. And they'll just be like the four by four squares outside of the building. Yeah. You and know. they were just very straight because a machine cut them. Yes. So there was, then that's another key point if it's Mm -hmm. too perfect yeah you know what i know it ain't old guys but the beams were not um only the differences between the genuine and the replicas of the tudor houses um you could also look at the pitch of the roof and the type of bricks used in the lower portion of the building and how even the house is generally a true tudor house is unlikely to have many straight lines and so the one we looked at it was it was as true to a tutor as you could get. Which is awesome. Because, yeah, yeah, they were, I mean, it was the next kind of step in architecture after, like, cob houses and cottages. Yeah, and I can almost see him like, oh, let's try this. And then it was like, ooh, that's a little too narrow. Right. Like, yeah. And a lot of, like, original tutors will have, like, slate tile, like, slate yes. shingles. And yeah. So they're very, they're beautiful to look at. Yes. I love a, a tutor. They're so pretty, but I don't think I Dave's got good taste. They have good taste. They do. In architecture. Yeah. And I just, uh, they were so fun to sit down and talk with. And we really encourage you guys to go look at their socials and participate and follow along and watch as they finish this beautiful home. Yeah. it's I can't wait to see the finish. And go see Walter. Oh, yes. Man, he's cool. Yeah. They have some really cool stuff in their house. And speaking of real cool stuff, guys, this weekend after Thanksgiving on... Uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, November 26th and 27th, as well as November 29th and 30th, our merch will be on sale. Get it while it's hot, guys. Everything in the store will be up to 35% off. And we have two new designs. I can't wait for you guys to see them. We have a brand new holiday design. Those will be out uh, later today. When you're listening to this episode, we'll post them later today. Um, the two new designs, this means with that 35% off, that means $13 tees, $20 phone cases, $30 hoodies, and so much more. Everything's on sale 35% off. Um, we've been really happy with this site that we have our merch through. And you can either search Tea Public for the Mothball Prophecies, or you can go to the link in our bio, and it will pull up our shop. And also our website has the shop listed as well under the Mothball 
shop tab. And like all of our holiday designs, the holiday design that's coming out will be gone December 31st. Yes. So if you want it, get it. Get on it. It's like a vintage item. It's not going to last. And your support for our merch directly supports the show and helps what we do here for you guys every week. Yes. Because we really enjoy our new jobs. Mm -hmm. We do. And we have... You know, we've been kind of hinting at it. We'll announce it probably more in December. But we have some exciting things coming up for you guys. We yes. can't wait to share them. It's a secret, though. Can't yeah. tell anybody. No. But to see all the items we talk about on today's episode, check our Instagram at the Mothball Prophecies Original on our website, themothballprophecies.com. And those will be under Dave and Brittany's episode tab. And then make sure you follow along as we try to figure out Twitter. <laughs> Still working on that one. At the Mothball Mavens. Yes. And we have received some really great listener stories. Oh my gosh, you guys are so good. Yes. And that's going to be your guys's, you, your episode will come out in December. So everybody's listener antique stories will be in their own episode. A little bonus one for you guys. And we, we want to hear more from you guys. We love to hear your stories. We love to hear what you grew up collecting and why you grew up collecting. So please send your family heirloom stories. If you got haunted items, biggest regret of an item you walked away from, something you inherited, really whatever you collect, we want to know about it. So you can submit those on our website at themothballprophecies.com. On the first page, there's a contact us at the bottom Mm -hmm. that'll prompt you to fill it out. Or you can send it via email at curios at themothballprophecies.com. C-U-R-I-O-S. Yes. And... We, we've got some really great ones already. We're so excited. I know you guys did an amazing job and I hope more people submit some stuff in because they're cool guys. It. We mm-hmm. love, that's what we're here. We want mm-hmm. the stories. Yes. And um, please like and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps get the word out about the show and that other people are liking and listening to it. Share us with your family and friends this holiday season. Let them know about the two idiots you listen to every Monday yeah. about antiques. And as always, thank you for listening. I hope you guys find some good shit. And I hope you remember to look under the tables. Bye. See you guys. <laughs>